On March 16, 1957, at 8 o'clock in the morning, a 300-foot-long spacecraft landed in a field in Alexandria, Virginia. Two local police officers arrived on the scene. The door of the craft slowly opened. The officers drew their guns, not sure what to expect. To their surprise, out walked a normal-looking guy. He smiled at the stunned officers and actually waved hello. And before the policeman could say a word, the stranger said in clear English, I need to see the president. Nine months after this event, NASA was founded. This is the story of what happened in between. This is the story of Valiant Thor. And if you don't know this one, hold on tight. We're going on a hell of a ride. In the fall of 1957, the Soviet Union launched Sputnik 1 and 2, the first man-made satellites to go into orbit. This caught the United States off guard. The American population was terrified that the Russians could launch an attack from space. The American military was embarrassed at Russia's superior technology. President Eisenhower demanded action. On January 31, 1958, the United States responded by attempting to launch the Vanguard satellite. Attempting? Uh, it exploded shortly after takeoff. Oh boy. The space race was not going well for the Americans. The president asked Congress to establish an agency to direct American activities in space. And in July of that year, NASA was created. Although the Russians had more space achievements for the next few years, it didn't take long for the U.S. to catch up with and surpass the Soviet Union. And this couldn't have been done without NASA and the leaps forward in technology that NASA provided. NASA helped create Velcro, freeze-drying, foam mattresses, solar cells, smartphone cameras, even the Bowflex. NASA owns over 2,600 patents and is credited with over 2,000 commercial products derived from their technology. And these NASA-provided leaps forward happen fast. A more suspicious person might say they happened a little too fast. The story of Valiant Thor might provide a few answers. Valiant Thor, a man from another world, agreed to share the technology of his people with the United States. But Valiant Thor would want something in return. On the morning of March 16, 1957, Harley Andrew Byrd, the nephew of the legendary Admiral Richard Byrd, is in his office at the Pentagon, and he's a high-ranking official working for Project Blue Book, the top-secret military program that studied UFOs from 1952 to 1969. Around 8.30 a.m., Byrd receives a panicked call from the Alexandria Police Department. Officers are on their way to the Pentagon right now with a visitor. That's an understatement. A few minutes later, the police car pulled up to the Pentagon. The Secretary of Defense, Charles Wilson, and six of his staff are there to meet the stranger. Out of the car steps a tall man with brown hair and an easy-going manner. He looks completely normal, except he's wearing a silver and gold jumpsuit. You like Elvis? Shh. The stranger is ushered into an elevator that goes to the basement of the Pentagon. And from there, an underground train takes the group of men to the White House. They're taken directly to the Oval Office, where President Eisenhower is waiting. The president asks the stranger his name. Valiant, he replies, or Val. Where do you come from, Val? Eisenhower asks. I come from the planet your Bible calls the morning and evening star. Venus? asked the president. Yes, sir. Eisenhower asks for proof, and Val offers to show the president his ship. Eisenhower asks that they sit and talk for a while first. Val says that Earth has been quietly observed for thousands of years, but with the invention of the atomic bomb, Val's people decided to intervene. Val was sent by the High Council which represents a governing body that spans many planets and many intelligent species, kind of like the Star Trek Federation. 
And Val says the High Council can help solve a lot of the Earth's problems and is offering assistance. The President asks Val to stay at the Pentagon as his guest, and Val agrees. The President also asks Val to join him at a meeting at Howard Menger's house in Highbridge, New Jersey. Now, this was a small gathering of researchers and scientists who advised the President on UFO matters. Val again agrees. He would also like to bring along the rest of his crew. And at that meeting, something unexpected happened. But we're very fortunate that it did. A young Air Force photographer named August Roberts took pictures of Val and his crew. Since Val and his crew would be wearing normal human clothes for the meeting, the military wanted to examine and test the spacesuit that he wore. They called it the Miracle Garment. Now, though it had fabric enough to cover a six-foot-tall man, it weighed only six ounces, including a pair of boots. It was also indestructible. They shot it with guns, poured acid on it, used a laser, even a diamond-tipped drill. Not only could they not pierce the fabric, they couldn't even make a mark on it. Oh, hang on. What? You got pictures of aliens, but you want to talk about fabric? I'm just giving background. And you wonder why the algorithm hates the channel. This is why. Get to the weird stuff. Fine. These are the pictures taken at Howard Menger's house at the meeting in Highbridge, New Jersey. These are photos of Val and the other members of his crew, Don, Jill, and Tanya. Hey, those names don't sound very Venetian. Venusian. what I say? At this meeting, Val told the president how they could help solve world hunger, cure disease, and end all war, but they needed all countries with nuclear weapons to disarm. Eisenhower politely said that mankind just wasn't ready for such drastic changes. That's when Val realized he couldn't accomplish his mission alone. He needed someone from Earth who was open-minded to help him convince the leaders of the world. That person would spend the next three years working closely with Valiant Thor, and his name was Dr. Frank Strangis. Dr. Frank Strangis was a well-known UFO researcher, author, and theologian. He had PhDs in psychology, philosophy, and criminology. One day, Frank receives a call from a very excited August Roberts, the photographer at the Highbridge Gathering. He got these photos of aliens, but doesn't know what to do with them. Now, Frank is fascinated by the photos and starts using them in his lectures. Now, after giving a talk in Washington, D.C., Frank is signing copies of his books and chatting with guests. A woman introduces herself as Nancy Warren. She looks around, and while holding up a Pentagon ID card, she quietly asks if Frank wants to meet the man in those pictures. Of course, he jumps at the chance. And the next morning, Frank arrives at the Pentagon and is taken to Val's quarters. The door opens. Val extends his hand, gives a warm smile, and says, Hello, Frank. Val knows everything about him. And they chat for a while, and Val says he needs Frank's help. Frank wants to know why he, of all people, gets this honor. Val says that Frank had an open mind, was constantly talking to people, and was also a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm going to have to stop you right here. Hmm? Uh, how did we get from Venus to Jesus? Well, Frank Strangis was a Christian evangelist. He preached that Jesus and the angels are actually extraterrestrials, and there are references to UFOs in the Bible. You got anything else? Uh, no, uh, this, this story is, wow, uh, well, let me, uh, you know what, I, I, I better wait, just, just keep going. So, Valiant Thor's mission is to save mankind, specifically to help mankind return to God. Val asks Frank to help spread this message. In exchange, Val will share all the wonders of the universe with the human race. 
Though this meeting is a short one, Val reveals a lot of information. He confirms that there is intelligent life on other planets, many other planets, and there are more solar systems in the universe than we could even dream of. And over the next few years, Val works with the United States government and agrees to share some of his technology. NASA! Right, and Valiant Thor's mission officially begins. As the years went on, Val confided in Frank Strangis about some of the extraterrestrial activity happening on Earth. Example? Well, there are communication devices hidden in homes around the world. And today, some of these homes are in Reno, San Diego, Los Angeles, and Geneva. And the equipment is a holographic communicator. Whoever you're speaking with appears to be in the same physical room as you are. And Frank saw one of these devices in use and couldn't believe it. This equipment allows communication between bases on Earth, between ships, and with the home base ship that's orbiting the planet. And during this time, Val's work with President Eisenhower is not going well. A few times, Val convinces the president to convene a meeting of the United Nations to begin the process of Earth joining the intergalactic community. But every time this comes close to happening, the CIA or Department of Defense interferes. They fear that if Val's message gets out, too many people will follow it. And this would threaten America's military supremacy. And they shut the president down. And President Eisenhower actually gave us a hint that this was happening. In his farewell address in 1961, just a year after Val's mission ends, Eisenhower warns against the establishment of a military-industrial complex and that creating a weapons industry would be dangerous, that they would become too rich and too powerful. Yeah, he was right on the money with that one. Well, he sure was. And remember, Eisenhower was the armiest army guy on the planet. He was the supreme commander of the Allied forces in World War II. He was elected president because he was a war hero. But here he was saying we can't allow weapons and war to become a profitable business. And colleagues of Eisenhower, like General MacArthur, thought this speech was crazy, especially with the Soviet Union becoming so powerful. But Ike meant it. I like Ike. Yeah, they don't make him like that anymore. So Val's three-year mission came to an end in 1960 and was not a success. But that wouldn't be the last time we hear from Valiant Thor. Even though his relationship with Val changed his life for the better, Frank Strange's experiences weren't all positive. After giving a lecture in Germany, his food was poisoned and he nearly died. Val appeared with the antidote and a warning for Frank, watch your back. A few years later, Frank is on his way to meet Val when he's shoved in the back of a car. He's taken out to the desert and nearly beaten to death until Val and Don show up. And on his honeymoon, Frank and his wife are run off the road by a mysterious black car. Frank's neck and hips are broken. He almost dies in the hospital. But Val shows up and heals him instantly. He walked out of the hospital that day in perfect health. But the most important event in Frank's life happened in June 1968. Val tells Frank to fly to San Diego. There's something he needs to see. Val picks up Frank in the airport and they drive south toward Mexico, across the border, and finally stop at a little town called San Felipe. They park the car behind a restaurant and walk a rocky path down to the beach. And that's when Frank saw it. A 300-foot-long, 21-foot-tall silver saucer hovering just on top of the water. Whoa. Val looked at Frank, pointed at the spacecraft, and asked, Want to see? The interior of the spaceship is enormous. It doesn't look scientific, more like a resort. There's a library, a gym, dining hall, and media rooms. After getting a tour, Frank is shown to his room. 
He says the floor feels like a thick cloud, and with every step, the surface conforms to the shape of his foot. And there are no corners or right angles anywhere. Everything feels organic and peaceful. Frank settles in and has one of the most restful nights of sleep of his entire life. In the morning, Val takes Frank back to the San Diego airport. As the years pass, Frank adds these experiences to his lectures, trying to spread Val's message. And in 1967, he publishes the book Stranger at the Pentagon, which documents all of Frank's time with Val. Now, I'll link to the book below. You can buy it on Amazon, but I'll also link to a place where you can read it for free. The book has more pictures of Val, flying saucers, all kinds of strange things. And Frank breaks down the technology that they have, types of propulsion, anti-gravity, all kinds of stuff. Frank even includes a diagram of the spaceship. And though Frank Strange has passed away a few years ago, Valiant Thor is still here. As we speak, his ship Victor One is parked and cloaked on the shore of Lake Mead, east of Vegas. And several thousand people are aware of Val and Victor One, including about 2,000 government employees. A few scientists have even been on board. And the book ends with a message from Val. In short, he says we should be kind to one another, be open-minded, and spend more time in the service of others. Treat people as you'd like to be treated. Val is describing the golden rule. It's nice to know the golden rule applies no matter what planet you're on. So if you're watching this and have access to one of those communication devices, do us a favor and let Val know uh, we need him more than ever. Valiant Thor is probably the most requested topic on this channel, and it's easy to see why. It's a story rich with characters and action and a positive message. And here comes the but. He ruins the story. But is it true? Well, let's start with Harley Andrew Bird, the man working for Project Blue Book at the Pentagon. He says he's Admiral Bird's nephew. I'll post a link to Admiral Bird's genealogy below. The Admiral did have four nephews, none named Harley Andrew, but could the genealogy be wrong? Sure, doubtful, but it could be. But if Harley really was in the Pentagon in 1957, that would mean he had top-secret clearance as a teenager. Okay. Another believer is Laura Eisenhower, great-granddaughter of the president himself. Now, she claims she was recruited to go to Mars in 2006. UFO disclosure is coming and that Valiant Thor is real. But is she credible? Well, that really depends on your personal beliefs. She's an intuitive astrologist, a global alchemist, cosmic mythologist, a guardian of the organic ascension timeline, and an opener of natural stargates. That's a hell of a resume. Yeah, it's a lot. But if we really are in the danger that she claims, we need all the cosmic warriors we can get. But what about Dr. Frank Strangis? Here's where things get messy. First of all, the entire story of Valiant Thor comes from Strange's book, Stranger at the Pentagon, which was released in 1967. But Val arrived 10 years earlier. And during that time, Frank published other books on UFOs and even produced a couple of documentaries about UFOs and aliens. No mention of Valiant Thor in all that time. Well, maybe he was waiting for the right time to tell the story. Maybe, but we have to consider the messenger. Frank claimed to have three PhDs from two colleges. Well, one of those colleges doesn't exist and the other doesn't offer PhDs and never has. He says he was the deputy director of the California State Marshal Association, but there's no such thing. The book itself is basically a retelling of the day the earth stood still. I come in peace, take me to your leader, nuclear weapons are bad, the hero and the alien become friends. It's exactly the same, but Frank made it very, very religious. 
everything in the book is God's will, the power of Christ, all that stuff. But Frank was a preacher, a Christian evangelist, so this is to be expected. He traveled the country giving lectures about UFOs and their connection to God and the Bible. Stranger at the Pentagon is a book about spreading the word of Christ. If the story isn't real, this is a genius way to get non-believers interested in Christianity. Adding aliens can improve any story. Agreed. Well, what about the pictures of the aliens? Are those real? That I don't know. Aha! They could be pictures of an alien crew advising the President of the United States. Or they could be pictures of random people at a backyard barbecue. Nobody's come forward claiming to know anyone in the photos, so we can't prove them, but we can't debunk them either. And look, this story is way out there, but in the 40 years he spent giving lectures about Valiant Thor, Frank's story never wavered. And ever since then, many people have sprung up claiming to know Valiant Thor or even be Valiant Thor. Val has his own author page on Amazon, so he writes books now. Now, do I believe Jesus was an alien? No. Do I believe the story of Valiant Thor? Not at all. But Val's message of being kind and spending more time in the service of one another, having an open mind, these are things I do believe in. We all should. And that's the irony of the story. The more you ridicule Valiant Thor, it turns out, the more you need him. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. My name is AJ, that's Hecklefish. This has been The Y-Files. If you had fun or learned anything, do me a favor and like, subscribe, comment, and share. I, I hate to give you errands to run, but that stuff really helps the channel. And this topic today comes from you. So if you'd like to submit a topic, go to thewhyfiles.com slash tips and put in whatever you like. I can't do every topic that comes in, but I, I read them all. And special thanks to our generous patrons who make this channel possible. I couldn't do this without you. So until next time, be safe, be kind, and know that you are appreciated. Yeah.